Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. I'm Denny. And I'm Lester. Wow, we got a big family today. <laughs> big uh, old reunion. <laughs> and we are the, the Classic Gaming Brothers. So, as evident by the amount of people that we've crammed into our studio today, we are doing another Indie Dev Lounge episode, which is very exciting. I love these episodes. They're a great way to not only meet the community, but also promote somebody else's work. So today we have two members from Possum House Games on with us today in our studio. Thank you guys for taking the 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 drive fly however you arrived here uh we appreciate the uh the time and energy for you guys to be here hopefully you enjoyed the coffee uh, well, it was a long walk but thanks for having us yeah the coffee's <laughs> delicious um can't get enough of this really yeah yeah sorry about the walk but for some reason the bathroom to where we record <laughs> is just a really long hallway i can never figure it out <laughs> Since that's our studio is just a long hallway. <laughs> just a long yeah, hallway. It's just, it's just one bathroom at one end and the, the studio and at the other end. No doors, it, just... It looks like the, just... Yeah, it looks like the spaceship from 2001. It's just a really <laughs> long hallway. We're on a budget. But yeah, uh, thank you guys uh, again for joining us today. Before we get into any questions and, and talking about stuff, do you guys want to give us a, a quick, I guess, elevator pitch for, for Possum House and the games that you guys have? Yeah, um, so we're Possum House Games. So it's just like the the two of us, me and Lester, and we do work with like um, other contractors occasionally, but we tend to focus on kind of smaller experimental titles and we lean into the kind of like 2D platformer-ish kind of realm. That's kind of like our happy place. We like to make games that are not too much a derivative of ex- existing genres. We really like to mash things together. And I think that'll come up as we talk about our games that like they're kind of weird and kooky. And uh, But then we also lean into our pixel art. I mean, pixels are pretty. Did I miss anything, Lester? No, pixels are indeed pretty. Um... <laughs> <laughs> nice. Can you give us a rundown of the games that you guys currently have available? Oh boy. All right. So the the first game that I launched on my own that kind of kickstarted Possum House back in 2019 was The Sword in the Slime. Uh, it's a puzzle platformer, but you play as this magical flying sword, and the whole game's only controlled using just the mouse. And for like narrative reasons, you are like magically bound with this like slime creature creature like kind of think like from D, and uh you kind of indirectly guide it around and you have to like use both of these kind of awkward creatures in tandem to solve puzzles and defeat enemies and progress through these like very deliberately designed little kind of tight level puzzles the next big one after actually the one that we me and lester met on and worked first work together was heavy as the crown which is a like short little game you can play online for free it's a top-down kind of resource management game where it's pretty much you're just like you're a shepherd and you're trying to like keep your like little your sheep from wandering off the screen but then how many sheep you have at the end of the day is how much money you make you use that money to feed your family buy more sheep and it gets really brutal and intense until you inevitably fail it's a very happy game (laughs) (sighs) okay lightning round okay shot in the dark that's kind of our big one that's kind of our flagship title cowboy western game where you play as a bandit fighting demons in the dark 2d platformer but combined with a point and click shooter so almost think if mario and duck hunt had a weird baby and everything wants to eat your face but the third part of shot in the dark is the the art itself um it only uses black white and red so a lot of the enemies blend in with a background and the game is about obscuring visual information so it's a very like tense kind of 
<laughs> hard, difficult game that a lot of people love hate me for. Lester, you got Tank Pig. I need to take a break. But before Tank Pig, <laughs> we actually have Space Cat 9, our action platformer roguelike where you play as a cat battling evil mice bent on taking over the moon because the moon is made of cheese. You play as a cat hero trying to stop them. They're all their ro- mechanical machines. Yeah, they're all little mice and robots that you fly around their spaceship. Not fly, you're a cat, but you're zipping around, jumping, pouncing. And, and finding these robots all to stop them. And Tank Pig, uh, our latest prototype, which uh, you guys had the chance to play at uh, Retro World Expo. Play as a cosmonaut piloting Tank Pig in her full arsenal. Um, in another kind of puzzle platformer, not puzzly per se, but it's kind of like a Metal Slug meets Blaster Master hybrid where you do have to fight, you do have to find your way through some puzzle elements and kind of coordinating both Tank Pig and the cosmonaut. But you also get a couple of times where you get to just, just shoot a bunch of bad guys. Yeah, I had, I had a lot of fun playing uh, tank peg i especially i liked where you had to like use the pig as it were to control the rocket that the tank shoots and like move yourself and essentially like figure out where you need to put your character in order to guide the missile in the right direction i thought that was a, a pretty unique mechanic especially coming from like a metal slug game where you're just gonna <laughs> it's gonna go in one direction and it's gonna go if you guys like metal slug perhaps tank pig will be something that you guys should keep an eye out um from coming from Possum House Games. And I, I've played um, The Sword and the Slime, and I played um, Heavy is the Crown. I haven't finished Sword and the Slime. I actually just recently started playing that. But I, I thought Heavy is the Crown was like, I loved it. I was like, <laughs> I, I think one of the things I liked about it was that it gave me a very strong Papers, Please feel oh. to it. Not necessarily the gameplay of Papers, Please, but the whole what do you need to buy versus what do you have versus what mm-hmm. are you willing to lose element of Papers, yeah. Please. Like, do you want to spend money on potentially getting the shotgun from the basement or do you want to spend money on getting food for your family so your wife can eat sort of deal shotgun <laughs> shotgun I-, I thought that was a really clever mechanic and i also thought it was very a contemplative game where it just felt very like it felt very sad but very good mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> not sad and like like the traditional sense but just a very melancholy game you feel like there's this sense of loss that you just kind of can't help but go toward uh, that's a very deep sentence that i've said but that's just the one it, that's the emotion it gave me i'm really glad that you say that because like then you, we hit the nail on the head um because that's what we were going for and i, I just really want to say that like heavy as the crown holds like a very special place in our hearts as a team um because it was like the first game that like me and lester like literally worked on together we had known each other in the community um in rochester like you know the local game dev community here yeah and they were in the local college was hosting a uh game jam and me and lester went and then like we we're like oh man there's this place is like full of like you know like freshmen and like juniors and we're like oh we're old <laughs> so we saw each other and we're like hey buddy do you want to do you want to work together hello fellow old person <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah we uh it was a really super cool jam it was actually like based off tarot which was really cool it was a unique structure oh, huh. each team drew their own one card at the beginning and then the organizers drew like two more cards like one the next day and one the, the last day and you had to like incorporate that theme into the game which was delightful and nightmarish um, yeah i can imagine yeah it's kind of like chopped Kind of, yeah. It was, it was literally, yeah. It was, it was like, take this and fit it in. And we're like, we're programming. What the, why? Nice. That's fun. But yeah, on, on the sad note, I will say, because um, we were shooting for that, uh, is because we, we drew the Upright Emperor, which means like benevolent leadership and like mm. responsibility. And it's all on you. Yeah, I wrote the hardest lines of code I've ever had to write for that game. Um, 
if you choose to not feed your family, <laughs> you have to code in that they stay dead. And uh, last thing I'll say about Heavy as a Crown, as you mentioned uh, feeding the wife, like who do you choose to feed? Um, it's actually a fun litmus test with people. So there's no mechanical benefit to keeping her around. But if she if she does pass, the music stops and that's it. There's no benefit, no nothing. It's just keep playing. This is your life it's now. Interesting. Because of your choices. I'm excited. I'm going to definitely check it out. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the game jam that you guys met at. Uh, we don't. We haven't really talked about uh, game jams on the show. And so our audience may not necessarily be super familiar with them. So you mentioned you know, going to like a university and a room full of young guys and gals and all that jazz. Have you guys competed in a lot of game jams over like what? how many hours or days are you given with these? I'm aware of like some virtual ones where you're given like two weeks or so to do a game. Is it like, could you guys kind of uh, explain the game jam process as it were? Uh, yeah, so game jams are traditionally uh, a period of time in which you create a game from concept to something playable by the end of it. Uh, most common ones are 48 hours, typically a weekend from Friday night to Sunday evening. There's a couple of virtual ones that are pretty uh, popular uh, that happen globally. Global Game Jam, Ludumdare, those those kinds of things. Yeah, and on occasion, uh, some of them are competitive, uh, usually some uh, on occasion for prize money. In other cases, just for likes, votes, um, rankings, awareness. But one we particularly met at was just the casual game jams. There wasn't any prize that I remember. There wasn't any. It was just more just for the fun of creating. But yeah, uh, the local community tends to kind of host some of these uh, a few times a year, and we can kind of show up uh, at a particular space, whether it's a co-working space, university, and participate based on what themes the hosts are presenting at that time. So at the beginning of the jam, when the jam begins, is when we get we're we're given a theme, and that's when. The game starts. You start uh, ideation to come up with the idea, the concept, start designing, and it's all very like positive energy, creative energy, all rushing from every direction. I believe you we were one of the two that a lot of other teams were turning their heads at us uh, because they kept hearing sheep noises coming from our corner <laughs> as we were recording uh, the sound effects for the game. <laughs> yeah, just hearing that a uh, bunch oh, of good. grown men in the corner. <laughs> Uh, making that noise. Yeah, they know they're up against some stiff competition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think someone was like live streaming when like, you know, they're like, oh, hey, here's where we're at. And then just in the background, they're like, what the? <laughs> Perfect. Do you guys use um any particular, because obviously video games, their basis are computer programming and code and stuff like that. Is there any code that you guys are most familiar with or that you kind of lean towards? Uh, so yeah, I handle the tech side of uh, the company. So I went to school for computer science, so I got to learn a bunch of different languages and I actually work in uh, the industry with C++. The particular engine we choose to work with is uh, Unity, which uses C Sharp. So, yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, we use Unity, C Sharp, um, as far as art tools, GIMP, A Sprite, programming languages, uh, as far as code. During game jams, you have the option to jam itself to either bring some base code, a selection, a group of uh, already pre written code that isn't specific to any game, or coding it all from scratch. Me coding it from scratch. <laughs> nice. Because mm -hmm. I did not plan ahead for that. So. <laughs> and uh, before I met Lester, 
I was, um, I worked, because I don't know anything about, I can't write a single line of code to save my life. I worked in um, Construct 2 and 3, which allowed me to do visual programming, which so okay. I was able to make some of the first stuff. And then I met Lester and I was like, magic. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're all obviously video gamers or else you would not have come on to a podcast about video games. You guys all have played video games. Um, what have you guys been playing like lately? Like what, what's been your latest kick? as it were oh uh, i recently started getting back into subnautica i played it a few years ago nice. um but it was on sale on switch and it, of course it got me because on switch uh yeah. and i've been playing that a hell whole lot kind of just like living in an open world where i get to just build bases explore my own leisure my relaxing game despite all the scary moments <laughs> <laughs> are you playing og subnautica or the the frozen one the og one i do have the it came nice. with the frozen one as a bundle but i haven't started it yet oh uh, and Denny? I've actually been diving back into, I just got Dark Souls Remastered. It, it's just hard to believe that game's already 10 years old. I'm just like, wait, what? But no, it's been, in a weird way, kind of relaxing, despite it being Dark Souls, but just kind of revisiting it with, like, knowing how to handle it and still, like, kind of exploring and, like, rediscovering it. Yeah, it's just been good, like, walking around, like, almost like going back to, like, the old college campus in a sense of just, like, reliving those memories and just kind of, like, going for a stroll while, you know, things try to eat your face. Um, but yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's yeah. been a lot of fun to revisit. I think games like the the Souls games and like Bloodborne and stuff, they can be really relaxing in a weird way, despite how frustrating they can be. But sometimes you need that kind of catharsis that they bring, especially when you get to a level where you're good enough at the game that you can just like mow down the like the simple bad guys before you get to a boss. It's just kind of, you know, there's this kind of edge of catharsis, almost like playing Doom, where it's just like, yeah, I can just mow these guys through and I'll get to the boss and then I'll have I'll struggle a bit. But once you get into that rhythm, I think that's kind of where the kind of the relaxation gets. It's like meditation. You have to get into the rhythm. Yeah, really. That's actually, yeah, that couldn't have put it better myself. That's kind of where I've been at. I haven't gotten into um, any of the Dark Souls. I'm bad at video games enough that, like, I don't have to play a game that's, like, deliberately tough. Is just, like, I'm turning on, like, easy mode on, like, simple games. So, I'm like, <laughs> like Stardew Valley, easy mode. <laughs> so, you're going to love Shot in the Dark. It's a good time. <laughs> so, Lester, you talked about how you're more of the, the, the tech side of things, um, and you do more of the, the programming. Denny, you said you're more into the creative side, so how would you guys describe i guess your roles so i handle like again like a lot of the creative stuff i'm like predominantly like the artist for sure like I, everything you see i do i do like the like the pixel art the level design the animation and i also tackle like a, a good chunk of the game design so like a lot of the concepts that you're seeing like like shot in the dark i actually like was working on for a while and then i brought lester on to be like help me it was too late for me to stop um... him at that point i'm sorry guys sorry everyone <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I handle that side of things. Um, and Lester? Uh, yeah, I handle uh, the tech side of it. So programming, um, producer activities, uh, planning, release management, all this other stuff that, that take that it requires yeah. to kind of make a game. Just all the logical stuff, not the creative stuff. I do help out with some of the design every when we have our, our design sessions. I don't touch art. I try. I, I moved his pixels around a few times to make some animations. That's about it. <laughs> You've done really good. I like your little mouse bounce you did. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I can move fixes up and down and then up again. Very well. I'm very good at that. Video games are that fun mash of artists and 
scientists really like engineers engineers and artists going hand in hand to make something which not a lot of mediums have uh, i like the idea that you know you're both in on the design session because uh, i'm sure there's been times where where maybe denny has an idea that lester is like well if we look at the technical side of this it might not be as feasible mm-hmm. as what your design like on paper something might look entirely different than how it could look in code and i'm sure it's it's great to have you know lester there next to you during those sessions to just be like why don't we just do this slightly differently so that we can make more sense in the the game logic uh that's very much how we work so it's very much like him coming up with an idea design and me saying all right cool we can't do that but here's this other thing we can do <laughs> <laughs> and it, i think it's very one of the uh more important things about just the game development experience is we have to be kind of in on it together to know how to fit uh, our respective pieces in there it's uh one of the few industries where you have to work with someone out completely outside of your field um an artist musician um a designer uh, level designers like those are all specializations that kind of all need to know a little bit about each other in order for the game to get made yeah for sure like a musician doesn't need to know anything about how to program or art or do anything and same and like voice actors as well if you have a game that has like a voice actor so it's a lot of like hidden work now because people think that computers can just do everything and there's a lot more inputs it's you know the old garbage in garbage out you know if you put a lot of effort and love into a game you're going to get something good that's going to come out and i don't think people realize that there that's i mean that's kind of what we're touching on a bit is like we each have to wear so many hats um it's not just like on the artist and i don't like do anything else like i'm like in there doing like the level design and then as lesser said like he really keeps the ship running on like behind the scenes as far as like okay we need to have something organized we need to have documentation like we have a proper google drive because of lester well you need like a project manager at the end of the day exactly it's there's so many hats we have to wear and then there's social media it's ooh. yeah and then he leading the designs uh it's he, he has to be there as part of like the planning part of it even though he may not like get all of it or get why we're doing it or anything like that but um he has to be a part of it every step of the way because it's going to hit him <laughs> later on yeah, anyway yeah, yeah. so in some way shape or form and and both of you guys are uh, full-time Possum House? I, I am right now, um, but we also tend to, like, you know, do, like, contract work. We're, like, the, living the freelancer life on top of gotcha. doing our own stuff. Yeah, yeah. so we kind of alternate between being full-time on Possum House and being uh, part-time as we do other contract stuff and things like that. Gotcha. And then you guys will source out if you need, like, a musician or... Yep. But I mean, you have your regular people that you work with, but you guys yeah. are the, essentially the core of Possum House, yep. and then you move out from there. Yeah, speaking of a uh, contract, uh, shout out to our boy Bosch, Boschfire, who's done like the music for like most of our games. Yeah, his stuff's great, and like has somehow managed to make like a fantasy game and like a horror western 8-bit, and then also like just Metal Slug, um, like guile theme tank pig stuff, so shout out to him. But yeah, we have a lot of people who just kind of like orbit and help us out. We've recently been working with someone who actually helps the business stuff thanks ash um <laughs> predominantly it's just me and lester screaming into the void <laughs> i know i i think my majority of my conversations were with ash <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I, I was mentioning earlier how great it is to have her that just respond to you guys like have those conversations and be like oh okay we have to okay got it following it she tells us what we have to do when it's, it's beautiful it really it's really like lifts some of that weight off to have someone just around to help with that you guys talked about how you two met through the game jam. How did you guys get into game development in general? It was around like the, the indie boom 
when like Limbo and um, Fez kind of like started popping up. And I'm in like my second, like the last year, middle of college. And I'm like, I look at that and I'm like, I, I could do that. <laughs> How hard could it be? But no, it was, it really was just like seeing these smaller voices, like just coming out with stuff. And then I kind of just started doing pixel art in my free time as a hobbyist. And then like kind of hitting my head against Construct 3. And uh, yeah, it really was just like a long chunk of just like, yeah, like trying to make stuff on my own. Um, I, then I slowly got more involved with the uh, local community in Rochester, Rock Game Dev. And from there, I just like I started learning uh, more uh, like doing game jams and meeting other people like I'm like meeting Lester. Um, and then I launched my first game, like full game, like uh, and that was Sword in the Slime in 2019. And that was about three years while doing like, you know, part time jobs and stuff. And then the last thing, which kind of will dovetail into more of what Poss- where Possum House came from, is that after Sword in the Slime, I got um, accepted into the there's so that the, the same institution where we had that game jam rit there's uh the magic center where like it's like they, they make like you know they do like movies they do games and they have this incubator program for community people like me who did not go into games for academia but we have the skill set and they provided like resources and funding and like like i gave me a desk and that's kind of when i was able to commit to game development full-time and i got into that program with shot in the dark and then through that i was like lester and he's like yeah <laughs> we had just come oh, off so that's that my heavy story account for that. yeah for me it was um i had that spark of game dev like passion when uh middle of my school engineering degree not for games just normal science computer science computer engineering uh we did a hackathon and uh was the first time i was exposed to like construct 2 i believe at the time which was one of the game engines that you mentioned earlier and it's just how easy it is to kind of put things together. I knew how to program, but that's actually more of a visual uh, logic block application. Um, but it did definitely sped up the process of like getting idea to play playable very quickly. So did a bunch of that and I was like, wow, this is a lot of fun. All these games are <laughs> pretty silly. But uh, I think one of them or one of my very first ones was catching a ladybug in a cage don't know what the concept was there but <laughs> just to see the fact that i could actually like tap on the screen and drop a, a cage on a ladybug it was it was pretty fun didn't have much time to look at it after that until i graduated and then i started as a hobbyist kind of looking at it part-time watching a bunch of tutorials and uh, eventually just self-teaching at unity and c sharp and funny enough i actually had to i actually uh flew over to san francisco for the game developers conference one year to find that there was a local community of game devs in my community, back on the opposite side of the country. You met them over there? I met them over there, yeah. yeah. I met them in San that's Francisco, a a local <laughs> Rochester great. community. Like, oh, you live down the street. <laughs> yeah, that's how I met Rock Game Dev, and I started to get involved with the community events and started meeting other people just like Denny. And I think that's kind of a very similar journey in that I started solo, teaching myself, playing around with a bunch of different things, making small little games and jams. And then I branched out to saying, oh, wait, working with other people is a lot more fun and a lot easier. <laughs> it's tough though to like put yourself out there to work with somebody else um, at least initially i feel like yeah or at least it would be that was definitely the case for me it was uh it was yeah it was hesitant i was like i don't know how i feel about working with all these people i don't know anybody here but mm-hmm. we like talking about games and i think there was one time when i actually first met bosch our musician for most of our games we were there for two different reasons we were actually trying to get some work done and we spent the entire evening talking about games and got no work done um, and I was just like, mm-hmm. this is what this community could do. <laughs> Cause you not get your work done. If you done. just record it, you'd have a podcast, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Some of our community members actually went off and did that, I believe. But yeah, uh, after doing a few jams with the community, he met up with Denny on that game jam to do Heavens to Crown. And then he reached, he approached me for like some help with Shot in the Dark. And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? 
<laughs> so um uh how and when did possum house itself get get kind of rolling this actually dovetails off what we just kind of said i I established possum house to as a studio to launch sword in the slime just to be like okay i want to like have like a developer thing like handle other than just like my name and then from there it really it really did pick up because that launched in 20 like december or september uh sword in the slime released in october of 2019 Right at the end of the year there, um, that launched. And then it was like literally like the week after, like it's like a palette cleanser. I did, me and Lester did the Heavy is the Crown Jam. And then I had Shot in the Dark prototype. And then like the incubator started like in December. And that was really like when things started getting rolling. And so we worked on Possum House. Oh, sorry. Bleh. We worked on Shot in the Dark for about a year. Launched it like the end of, oh, we launched in January of 2021. And then, yeah, like that just so the past two years, we've been kind of taking contracts, sometimes together, sometimes solo. We started working on Space Cat 9 together. We actually got hired on for that one. Um, but then like the, the person who hired us was like, yeah, no, like you guys have an established IP. Do you want to publish it? And we were just like, yeah, um, which is a little bit of an unorthodox, but cool situation. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of when we started and we've just kind of been rolling, um, ever since. And yeah. (laughs) The million dollar question is, um, where does the name Possum House come from? Because personally, I will say possums are one of my favorite animals and anything named after a possum makes me happy. (laughs) Um, well, I mean, like it's speaking as a, um, always internally, externally screaming, anxious, uh, creature myself. Um, (laughs) I just, yeah, I always identify like you just possums just like shrieking and just like, ah, so I kind of like just ran with that and, um, yeah, no, possums are great and they just play dead because they freak out. Um, and they're just, they're just adorable and I'm like, I, I feel you and I understand you and I like your little grabby hands. <laughs> so you just identify and as a possum. A little bit. I mean, we all have like little borderline fursona icons as our like little, um, like discord and Twitter icons. It's, uh, yeah. So, but yeah, Possum House, it kind of just like, I, I don't know, I was just kind of like going for like a cool rustic kind of backwoods cozy cabin with a little bit of Evil Dead 2 vibes. Just possums chilling in in, a, in the woods in a cabin. And yeah. So, so I, I really like the uh, the logo, but it's you have, uh, you have a picture of pixel art of like a possum eating a house. Mm-hmm. And it's a gigantic possum, unless it's a very small house. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's either a very small house or a gigantic possum. And then it you sometimes decide. animates where the possum eats the house. It's fun. And I thank you. I, I love it. It's it's a great it's a great logo. It's a great brand. I, th- I think it has a lot of um, character to it. And I think it's it's a fun. You guys seem like a fun company. Like so far, you guys have been you've been fun in studio. So I assume you guys are fun off mic as well. So, um. <laughs> well, we're obviously having a blast. <laughs> but yeah, no, I pr- appreciate the, the. It's good to hear that we we knocked it. Out. I've designed one logo in my entire creative career, so it's good to know I knocked it out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it. So we talked about this earlier in the episode a little bit about all the games you guys um, are working on and have in the pipeline. Uh, we will also in the description of the episode and in the social post, we will um, obviously link all of Possum House's information so you can find these games. Um, and we'll we'll do a, a, a little rundown of all the games that they, the projects that they have out there. Um, so you'll be able to find them where they're located um, and be able to check them out. I've heard that one of them is free. So I know our audience loves free stuff. So uh, definitely check that out. 
But what type of games do you guys like to make? So I kind of, I always forget his name and I should have had it pulled up, but the guy who did um, Ico and Shadow of the Colossus. Oh, yeah, he yeah, has, yeah. He, he has a very particular um, like design philosophy, which I kind of adhere to, um, but I came at it from a kind of a different angle, is uh, designed by subtraction. Um, which okay. is like because Ico, if you've played it, it's um, I have. just there's then yeah you understand there's there's really no, there's no extra fluff there's no health bar there's like only like two interactions you can do because I came as we was mentioned we came from like you know like an indie like super super indie side of things so we don't have a lot of resources so we we approach things with a very um, strict minimal viable product kind of approach like we cut content out of necessity a lot and so I kind of merge that concept of you know like design by subtraction and a minimal viable product to be like okay i only have two sticks and a rock and we have to share the rock but what can i make with that that is unique and interesting yeah that kind of ties to how shot in the dark was made right uh you only have three colors what can you do with it can't move while you're shooting but you can move when you're not shooting what can you do with it and that's the whole game of shot in the dark <laughs> and we got like 80 levels out of that like, it's like a two to four hour game. You can jump, move left and right, shoot and reload and go indoors. There's no health bar. There's only a bullet counter icon as an option because people uh, bugged me enough. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, it was like, I, I, I'm compelled to see what I can do like creatively with limited resources. And that leads us into kind of like, yeah, we, we tend to do more smaller, like pixel platformer puzzle oriented kind of games but not like capital p puzzle like we're not doing like sokoban games we're we're doing like you know like kind of like action fun adventure games like we mentioned earlier they're not like metal slug they're not like you know a bullet hell shooter we have very deliberate um each room we tend to be like okay here's a problem that you need to solve instead of just like shoot it till it's dead it's like definitely with shot in the dark it's like okay i can't see these guys i need to use the environment to find them or like oh i can see the reflection but i can't see the monster where is it and similar things with like you know like when you guys play tank pig it's like all right i see that there's like this block i can destroy but i have to find a way to get the rocket over there but tank pig's stuck so i i we like to create more deliberate problems that you solve um but they don't feel like an arbitrary puzzle room and when right. i played like zelda games i always i always like got out of the experience and i'm like i'm running around adventuring like jumping into a dungeon and exploring and then all of a sudden it's like push the blocks until the door opens and i'm like no <laughs> um, I, I was i've been playing through um the star wars jedi fallen order and they do it too like it's that and that game came out just the other year like what 2019 i think so we're making games today that you still enter into a room and they're like this is the puzzle room <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's time to figure it out <laughs> yeah we, we try to off that it's like we we not brainless but you have to like like put a little bit more thought into it and like just how we place our enemies and stuff like i think that was a weirdly a compliment um one of my favorite comments that i received about shot in the dark is someone's playing and they're like you know like 15 levels in and they're like they squint and they're like is this a this is a puzzle game it doesn't look like a puzzle game but what and i'm like yeah <laughs> <laughs> surprise some of the best puzzle <laughs> games are games that don't look like puzzle games exactly <laughs> You kind of touched on this in the in the answer. You, you said you do tend to lean mm -hmm. toward more 2D platformers. Uh, so that, uh, you would say that's probably more of the, I think, genre that you guys are primarily interested in. But do you ever dabble in other realms, I guess? Uh, yeah, uh, 
2D platformers is kind of where we focus it because uh, then he's uh, really into the level design aspect of just the whole process. And that's one of the places where you can kind of easily, or maybe not easily, um, I just make the thing work. I don't <laughs> uh, design the levels. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've also like, taken the same kind of concept of creating a puzzle with surrounding like com- possibly compatible elements where it's like um, in a first-person in- environment, for example. Um, or a top-down one. Heavy Crown is a top-down game. But the puzzle element there, I'd imagine, would be the uh, tough choices you have to make inside the house once you, uh, <laughs> once you end your day. It's an internal but, puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, uh, we typically have to stay focused on 2D platformers, but um, we do uh, occasional prototypes either in a top-down setting or uh, first-person. Sticking true to like the pixel art, pixel art aesthetic um, all the way through, um, even in first-person, yeah. we... Uh, found some tools to kind of help us make 3D environments, but with pixel arts uh, slapped on there. Just paint that on the wall. <laughs> Looks actually pretty Slap cool. Slap it on. I think with the pixel art, uh, I would say that some of your games do seem to have at least some draw of inspiration from retro titles in one way or another, especially in the art style. But would you say there are any retro games in particular that you guys find you draw more inspiration from than others i i want to like on that note kind of touch back to what you just said about you know it's like what pixel art can be and that like you don't need you don't need high-end graphics and this this ties into the retro aesthetic is that like i mean i'm always die hard that like art design always like leads like you know like graphical specs like some of the best looking games ever made were like made in like you know like 1992 oh yeah um, and i yeah. will i will die on that hill no um yeah. <laughs> To that point, like, I kind of, I grew up on the Game Boy, like, like, almost exclusively for a long time, and it always, it still to this day boggles my mind, like, how much can be crammed on these, like, little pieces of plastic, and how much emotion and story and narrative and worlds can be just, you know, just with pixels, and, like, that always, like, to this day, like, still blows my mind that, like, you know, you can, like, imprint on a fairly simple image of just, like, that is a broken man wandering the wastes and, like, his horrible story, and it's like, yeah, that's, like, 10 pixels tall. <laughs> I mean, just look at Pokemon. Uh, right? Billions and billions of dollars mm-hmm. from a game that, if you look at Pokemon Red and Blue... I once saw the entire map of Pokemon Red like put out as one image, and it is so much smaller than I think yeah. I ever realized. And I was like, that game felt massive as a kid. Like It felt like I was in an open world, and it's really so mm-hmm. limited in what they had. Yeah. It's impressive what game designers had to do to make their world seem so big. And the, the game that did that for me, to directly answer your question, was um, uh, Link's Awakening. Like, oh, hands yeah, down. Yeah, like, yeah. top top game. I cried legitimately when the announcement dropped. If I hear the Ballad of the Windfish, I will weep. But yeah, it's really crazy how much of an impact a bunch of pixels can have um, on, like, your life. Just oof. And if, that won't, no spoilers, but yeah, like, the, the, the ending of Link's Awakening, that, that still hits me today, you know, as hard as it did when I was six. Um, and it destroyed me when I was like, I'm six years old, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> One of my favorite Metro games was Link's Awakening as well. I also grew up with that. There was a Mega Man game. I can't remember the which number of Mega Man it was, but I to this day remember the passcode to get to like the final <laughs> stage um, <laughs> where you have all the abilities, you're about to fight the final boss. I don't know why I remember that, but there wasn't things that saved data back then. So <laughs> yeah, and Pokemon Red. Yeah, those are the, kind of the three big ones for me back in the Game Boy uh, days that really kind of spurred the whole gaming life that I led afterwards. <laughs> 
Um, but I think from retro aspects of it, is uh, Danny kind of mentioned it earlier, just uh, overall limitations and the breadth of, I guess, gameplay and emotional response that is generated from how little that was available to the developers back then is just one of the larger inspirations moving forward of like all the Possum House things. We try to create these limitations, three colors, a few couple of movements. You only have one control input to branch out to as much as we can. I mean, human heavy uh, is the crown. You don't do many things there, but <laughs> it's very emotional. And uh, as you struggle, kind of, you know, make your choices. So we've talked a lot about um, opportunities and challenges that uh, we've faced. Um... And by we, I mean you guys. What would you say is the biggest challenge that you guys face in regards to tackling, creating games for Possum House or challenges that you feel, maybe not necessarily the biggest, but ones that you see regularly? I think which which we kind of felt this um, with just like the past, like, you know, few years with everything going on with like COVID, um, it, like normally game design, uh, it's, it's a very isolating kind of experience. I think that's kind of one of the harder aspects. Like me and Lester, like, you know, we bounce back and forth and we look out for each other, but like we're also like we're wearing a lot of hats and like we're like always you know like like really like nose the grindstone on all of like the stuff that we're doing that we don't always have like a big like up top down level view of like the impact we're making like we always feel like because we're so our noses are in it that like we don't realize like we feel like oh man we have so much to do and we're not getting anything done and then like we'll take a step back and like it's like oh we've made like an absurd amount of games in like two years and like we have solid reviews like we got on pc gamer um it's just really hard to see that stuff when you're just like you're in it and you're working and you see there's always so much more you have to do i, I think we touched on this earlier um that just there's so much that goes on behind the scenes and like people are like yeah you just you, you hit the button and you make the game and it goes pew pew and it's like no it's it's it's, abs- it's crazy <laughs> just yeah. a little bit yeah. more just to, you know uh but yeah then he hit, uh, hit the nail on the head there it is kind of taking a step back and just acknowledging our accomplishments is really more challenging things when you have a backlog of like all the upcoming tasks that you need to do just to kind of get the game to a state that you can deliver it or market it or play it <laughs> Yeah, we try to kind of mitigate some of that uh, isolation that we get by doing a lot of co-working. We have a, we had a regular uh, community event going on, uh, trying to bring some people, other fellow devs in while they work in their, their own games, working on our stuff, but we're doing it together in our own virtual room just to kind of have the sense of like camaraderie and you're not alone when you're making your game. Um, I mean, yeah, you are making your game by yourself because I'm not helping you, but you are in a room virtually with someone else. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just sharing the space with somebody sometimes. Yeah. Even if it's silence, like it's like just like the breathing of somebody else being next to you. I think that's kind of been a underlying theme of the last couple of years too. <laughs> and part of that isolation too is the fact that like we, we we output a lot and like you're not always getting that like feedback like from I mean this is why I thank you guys so much for putting us on that it's like oh yeah people do see us and like what we do and we don't always hear that so it's it's definitely there's like some interesting mixed messages of like when people do see our games they're like wow this is like really good stuff but then there's just long periods of like silence it's a weird headspace to be in as an indie developer if that makes sense yeah no for sure i'm sure there's like also like probably when it comes to a product being deployed you'll have it when you initially deploy the product you'll have a lot of buzz and stuff around it so you'll have a lot of criticisms and compliments coming in initially and then it'll probably like there's a term for it when it goes tapers yeah off. where it just tapers off it goes askew 
Uh, that's the word I was looking for. It goes askew. So like you'll you'll start pretty heavy and then it'll go and taper off. Um, and then if you do uh, an update or something, you may spike that up again because it'll show up in like everybody's Steam or whatever. It'll show up that there's an update to the game and you have to download it. So you'll see like, what are the patch notes and what is this? And then you'll be a little bit more involved. So then you may get another rating or something like that. So I'm sure that's kind of like for an indie dev, it's probably even more uh, sensitive to it right? Because it's not like you're seeing like hundreds of hundreds of thousands of like comments, criticisms all at once from like EA dropping whatever FIFA 2022 out. They're going to obviously get the critical feedback that they're going to get, but they also have a multi-million dollar budget for one game. (laughs) Sometimes the marketing budget's bigger than the actual game budget. It's mind-blowing. The cost of marketing will sometimes outweigh the entire cost of a project. And if you guys can't do that then you're at an unfair disadvantage right it's fortunately like i feel like with platforms like steam and uh, itch.io and i think good old games works in a very similar Mm -hmm. where you can go to them and you can bring your product to market that way you don't have to hire a publisher or anything you can do because i think you've self-published all of your games uh yeah no we've yeah just done everything as possum house as our own to this point yeah. yeah, those platforms that made it <laughs> yeah. accessible for us to be able to do that. <laughs> right, because if there was no digital distribution, you have to be like finding a yeah. CD place, <laughs> print CDs, or doing mail order out of your house, <laughs> which is what they had to do yeah. um, when I first started playing video games. <laughs> <laughs> Some old school Doom ROMs, let's go. Ask people for $5, you'll give them the unlock code for your freeware. <laughs> people should do that. Just like go back to sending freeware on like lobby discs to people for $5. Just like send me $5 in cash. Back in like real old days, they used to go to local computer stores and pin up floppy disks to the bulletin board. And that's how you would get demos. So just imagine going to like a bulletin board and just pulling a USB drive off and being like, what's on here? Oh, games. (laughs) (laughs) Totally safe. A virus. (laughs) Yeah, totally safe. Just dead drop our demo disk. (laughs) So we talked about a couple of your games that you guys have coming out. We talked about Tank Pig. Zach and I were... Uh, fortunate enough to play Tank Pig at Retro World Expo, which you guys attended back in November. And you also mentioned Space Cat 9, Mm -hmm. which is an open beta. So if I was a a listener and did not Mm -hmm. have the inside track to reach out to the Possum House devs directly, what would be the best thing for me to do in order to know about when your games are coming out or close to release? Or Because obviously, you know, let's say I'm a listener and all I care about is when the game is going to be out and when can I buy it or play it what would be the recommendations that you would give me to figure that out so i would definitely like say follow our social medias um our twitter sign up for our mailing list if you really want to like get like like eat an early scoop on stuff uh definitely get in our discord like tank pig we've only been doing like kind of close play testing and demos through the discord and or when we're at an event so like you really can't find it um because it's kind of like hush hush right now or just go to our website possumhousegames.com and you'll find links to everything we have a pretty wide net yeah you can uh find uh the link to the to sign up for the mailing address at the website uh, all our socials are on there as well you can follow us on steam or itch.io as well to kind of keep track keep tabs on the games that we release but yeah our discord is kind of our uh early info distribution there so people there get their info first and then we end up posting on social and eventually send out some mailing lists uh, just when the key stuff happens. So engage at the level of interactivity that you want to engage in. Yep. 
Awesome. And now, do you guys have any plans for beyond uh, Tank Pig and Space Cat 9? So right now, we're kind of... Um, one thing that we're actually working on right now, which is, is kind of to, to help bridge some uh, gaps internally is I'm actively learning some Unity stuff, like kind of on the programming end, so I can like nice. work more directly with Lester. I, ideally, the goal is to make more content for our existing IPs. So it'd be like just really, instead of making like a whole new game, just explore what we've already done, like have some more shot in the dark levels. Uh, maybe maybe do some Sword in the Slime, but that's kind of the big focus right now. And that being said, like Space Cat 9, that's definitely on the docket in the pipe go play the open beta it's the, the core game is there yeah we'll be releasing that to steam sometime later this year um we just gotta polish off and add a few more content uh additions to that and then yeah tank pig is kind of the next like that's gonna be like the next thing that's new because that's like that is a super early um kind of vertical slice like what you guys saw on the show floor is like what we have like there's okay. nothing else it was just like yeah we got we got like five levels <laughs> <laughs> i think i added like two more since then we, yeah, Actually, we've polished up the still, prototype it's... a bit more since uh, you guys had a chance to play it uh, last at Retro World. Um, but yeah, we have Tank Pig coming down the pipe. Uh, Space Cat 9 definitely is being released sometime later this year. Uh, we'll say definitely uh, sometime later this year. <laughs> <laughs> sometime later this year. No definitives. Yep. Um, we also have some uh, potential DLC coming out for our existing titles as well. And we mm-hmm, have cool. a prototype, a first-person pixel art exploration that might be launching uh, this year, if not this year, next year. Uh, so the Possum House stuff is best to go to the website, which is um, possumhousegames.com, and that's yep. all one word. And then all of your socials are Possum House Games. Twitter is Possum H Games, and Instagram, I believe, is Possum House Games. Okay, so go and follow all of them. They're also on Steam. You can go to Steam, and you can find them as a uh, developer slash publisher, I think is what you, because you guys yep. publish, self-publish. Yep. You can see all the games that they uh, have on Steam. They're also on itch.io, and I believe you can find their creator page as Possum House Games on itch.io. Yep, yep. So go itch.io steam find them there you can follow them on steam so you can like if you want to learn more about or keep them in your like developers that you like uh give them a follow uh purchase all of their games just why not uh we recommend it and then uh denny lester i really appreciate both of you guys coming on thank you both for coming this will uh, mark our first episode where we've had more than one guest it has strained our studio to the limits we may have to <laughs> add a chair unfortunately denny had to stand this entire time so do you guys have any parting words of wisdoms for our our, our fan base or anything of that nature oh, parting words of wisdom uh ooh, mm. keep listening to the podcast follow some indie devs uh support hey. uh podcasters and indie devs and other creators that you enjoy beautiful i like those words of wisdom those are great words of wisdom. <laughs> if you want to listen to more Classic Gaming Brothers, we're available wherever podcasts are listened to. If you want to contact us, you can email us at classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com. And you can follow our socials, which are Classic Gaming Brothers on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we're also on Twitch, Classic Gaming Brothers. And then we are CG Brothers Pod on Twitter. Zach, is there anything else that I missed? Don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Zach. And I've been Seth. I've been Denny. And I've been Lester. And we've been the Classic Gaming Brothers and Possum House Games. That's right. right.